Uh, we are going to be talking about uh, prayer over the next couple of weeks, uh, usually in January. It's one of the things I like, like to talk about, and uh, we are going to be talking today about how uh, prayer changes the story. Now, uh, how many of you think you pray way too much? Like, yeah, it's usually, now, now, how many of you think you should be praying more? More than you currently are, and that's usually the way it goes. I mean, it's funny how there's a lot of things in life where we just like, I know people who drink too much and eat too much or watch too much TV, but I've never, ever met anybody who says, you know, I just pray too much. Uh, I mean, when we read the Bible, we just see how important prayer is, and it's funny that we just all admit that we should be praying more than, than we should. And I started thinking about this more the last few months and just Challenging myself, like, why don't I pray more? I mean, I talk to God a lot throughout the day. I'm always talking to him, and I do have my prayer time. But, I mean, when you compare to how much Jesus prayed or Paul prayed, I mean, I definitely don't pray that much. Uh, why don't I pray so much? And here's some, sort of some of the first answers I came up with. Uh, too busy, not enough time in the day. That's not always an easy thing to do. Uh, I mean, sometimes I feel like every five minutes is important in my day, and so sometimes I just feel like maybe I don't have enough time to set aside a, a longer period of prayer. Uh, sometimes prayer is just not easy. I mean, you sit there and you feel like sometimes it's amazing and you really experience God, but other times it feels like you're just talking to the ceiling, and, and sometimes you kind of just want to get out there. Uh, maybe you have some other reasons. Maybe if I asked you this question, why don't you pray? You would have some reasons. But these are very superficial, if you look at them. And it's always good to try to go deeper to find out what the real heart of the issue is. Because really all of this says is that, Jesse, prayer is not really that big of a priority. Because if something's a priority, it usually doesn't matter how busy you are, you do it. If something's a priority, it doesn't matter if it's hard or easy, you do it. I mean, the reality is uh, we're always living our priorities, I mean, right now we're living our priorities. I mean, if you think church on Sunday is a priority, you're probably going to be here. I mean, uh, we always live our priorities. Now, you may have some idea of what your priorities should be, but we live our, our priorities. And so it was like, so why isn't prayer for me a priority? And so I started asking why, like, wh what is this? And, and so I went deeper, and here is what I came up with for, for me. Uh, I have some thoughts uh, that were this. Uh, God will work things out whether I pray or not. In other words, uh, God's all-powerful. He's sovereign. He's big. He loves me incredibly. Uh, he's for me and not against me, so he's got it handled. So if I pray or not, he's just going to do his will. doesn't matter if I pray or not. Uh, God's going to do what's best in my life. And so I had that thought in my mind. Uh, and then the other thing was this. Now, sometimes I think I can accomplish more through my own actions than through prayer. I mean, do I go uh, visit someone for an hour or should I pray for them for an hour? I mean, like, it always just seems if I went out and did it, I can accomplish much more if I just go and do it than kind of sitting there and just, just praying or, you know, there's, a, there's a, someone who's in real need and they're just like, yeah, you know, God's just going to figure it out anyway, so let me just go and do it with my hands. And so those are some of my thoughts. I don't know what your thoughts would be why prayer isn't a priority for you. You might have some different thoughts, but I began to like, like, are these thoughts biblical, right? Because we would always be living under the authority of the Bible. I mean, we can have all kinds of thoughts, but sometimes those thoughts are wrong. Uh, we want to be living uh, uh, under the authority of the Bible. And so I began to look, like, are these thoughts biblical? And it was a pretty uh, quick answer is that no, 
They're not biblical thoughts. That I was not living the way I should be. And so the sermon kind of is a bit of a, a sermon to me and maybe hopefully to you because maybe some of you struggle with this as well when it comes to these things. That prayer really should be a priority. And so I want to begin by this first one. God will work things out whether I pray or not. It sometimes says this, that God's will is always done. And so if God's will is always done, and he's all-powerful, and he's sovereign, and he's got this perfect plan, then, then why should I pray? I mean, if God has got this perfect plan, and I pray and ask for something different than his perfect plan, then I'm asking for less, so maybe I shouldn't just shouldn't pray. Sometimes people put it this way, uh, prayer doesn't change things, it changes me. And I give it half of that statement, that prayer changes me. Uh, when we pray, God does amazing things in my life, and when you pray, He does amazing things in your life. But this sounds real pious, and you hear this out in religious circles sometimes. Well, prayer doesn't change God, it changes me. Your prayer doesn't change things, it just changes me. And this comes out of this idea that God's will is always done, because God is all-powerful, and He's sovereign. There, His plan is always good, and so prayer really can't change anything, because God's got it all figured out anyways. So really just prayer is sort of, sort of this weird thing that just changes your own heart and mind, but it doesn't really change any situation. There are some real problems with that view. Uh, for one, if everything that happens is God's will, then you have to end up saying, well, that rape is God's will, and genocide is God's will, and the death of little kids is God's will. I mean, that just does not line up at all with what the Bible says uh, about God or what Jesus has revealed about himself. Uh, there are a lot of things that you see in the Bible that aren't God's will that happen. Uh, they're pretty much every chapter. I mean, uh, here's just a few. Uh, God says in Jeremiah, why then have these people turned away? Why does Jerusalem always turn away? They cling to deceit. They refuse to return. I mean, God has always want people, people to come to him. That's his desire. He's wanting Jerusalem to, to come to him and, and experience him, and they're turning away. This is not God's will, and it's happening. Or Ezekiel 33, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, people of Israel? I mean, God is calling out to people. Again, come to me. I am life. Why do you run from me? Why do you distance yourself from the very one who can give you life? Again, God's will is that they would come, that they would turn, that, that, that the wicked would not die, the wicked would not turn away. Uh, I mean, it's not God's will, yet it's clearly being done. Or we see the heart of Jesus in Matthew 23. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those uh, sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. God's will, the will of Jesus, was that they would come and, and realize he was the Messiah. But they were not willing. There are a lot of things that happen in my life and in your life and on this earth that are not God's will. And so the idea that, you know, uh, God's will is always done, therefore I don't need to pray. Well, there's a lot of things in the Bible that aren't God's will that happen. Or Revelation, Jesus talking to a church about this gal in the church. It says, I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. I mean, we can be unwilling to do God's will. 
I mean, if you say that everything is always God's will, then every time you sin, well, that must be God's will. But clearly, uh, God's will isn't for us to sin. I mean, his desire is for us to live holy lives and, and, and to be beautiful and wonderful, but, but I sin and you sin, and that is not God's will. There are a lot of things that happen in our life and in, in around us that are not God's will. And so we cannot use this excuse, well, God's will is always going to be done, therefore, you know, I don't need to pray because it's, well, it's not always done. Well, you say, well, I thought God was all-powerful. I thought he was sovereign. I thought he's in control of everything. Uh, absolutely. God is all-powerful. He is sovereign. He is big. He is amazing. But God is not just some all-powerful, uh, you know, tyrannical God up there who just controls every detail of, uh, of everything. God is also a God of love. He's 100% powerful, yes, but he's also 100% loving. And for love to actually be a reality, there needs to be a certain amount of freedom given. I mean, I, mean, I love my wife. Uh, and that's why I don't control everything about her life. I mean, I don't, you know, say you got to check every cent you spend. You got to check with me or every thought you have. You need to pass that by me or every Facebook post or, you know, every breath. You need to ask me if you can breathe or not. I mean, when you love somebody, you, you give them freedom. And God loves us and, and gives us and this earth a certain amount of freedom. Uh, beyond that, God's a relational God. Uh, he wants to relate to us. And, uh, and, and any kind of relationship, there must be a certain amount of freedom as well. God also, when he set up this universe, has sovereignly chosen to do a lot of his work and his will through his people, through you and me. I mean, we talked a lot about this in uh, our last sermon series. You remember when we talked about experiencing God, that God is a God who works, but he's always inviting people to join him in what he is doing. And we looked at some of these statues from around the world uh, uh, with Jesus out in his hands. Some of them don't have feet. Some of them were broken off. Some of them were actually created that way on purpose and they are reminders that we are the hands and feet of jesus that there are a lot of things that that god wills that christ wills but it's up to us to be the hands and the feet of jesus to actually carry those out and uh and here's just one of the inscriptions from one of these statues uh, christ has no hands but your hands and christ has no arms but our arms we are the body of Christ. And if the body of Christ is going to move, it is going to be by our feet. If the body of Christ is going to hug, it is going to be by our arms. If the body of Christ is going to speak, it is going to be through our mouth. We are the body of Christ. So there are certain things in this universe that are going to happen, whether we pray or not, or whether we are involved or not. There are certain things that God has said, this is going to take place. But there are a lot of other things that God simply works through his church and works through uh, you and me. I mean, some things that are even huge, uh, like in 2 Corinthians 5, it says God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. And so even some of these really important matters, like bringing people to Jesus, God has, has left that partially in our hands. In other words, uh, we have a role to play. I mean, we have a role to play in carrying out God's will in uh, very, uh, a lot of situations. 
Uh, Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord God took the man, placed him in the orchard in Eden, to care for it and maintain it. Even before the fall of man, God was not a God who worked alone. He's always involving us because he loves us and is a relational God. So when he, he creates Adam and Eve, he, he didn't just make all the plants grow themselves and cultivate themselves. He didn't make carrots float through the air right into their mouth. I mean, they actually had work to do. In a perfect world, they had to kind of work with God to take care and maintain the earth. And this is the way God has set up his kingdom. There are certain things that God does in his kingdom that, that we have no option, that he's going to do no matter what. But there's a lot of other things that God says, I want, you have a role to play in this. There are things that I will, but I want you to be involved in this in order for this to be carried out. And we see this clearly in the Lord's Prayer. This is the model prayer. Uh, the disciples are saying, Jesus, how do we pray? And Jesus says, here's how you pray. These are the things that you really need to be praying about. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, and then he says this, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, part of our prayer life is, God, may your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Now, if God's will were always done, this prayer would be foolish, right? If God's will were always done in every situation, and, 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 well, why would Jesus pray that, God, I want your will to be done on earth if it's always done? I mean, this implies, as does so many places in the Bible, that God's will is not always done. And that through our prayers, somehow we can uh, help God's will to be done more. That you can actually uh, uh, have God's will happen more in your life and in this church and around us through our prayers. You could look at it this in a few different ways. Theologians talk about uh, different wills of God, if you will. There's his sovereign will and then his permissive will. His sovereign will, we cannot change. Uh, it doesn't matter if we pray or not, there are certain things that God is going to do, right? I mean, we can't really, I mean, Jesus is coming back, right? Though, even interesting with that, I mean, Jesus said that, uh, uh, Peter said that we can even speed up his coming. Like, we're even involved in that. I mean, I think we have a bigger impact when it comes to kingdom realities than we sometimes think. And we just think, well, God's got it all together. Well, God involves us way more than we think. Uh, but then there's his permissive will where, where there's a lot of freedom and we can choose to obey God or disobey. We can choose to do his will or, or not do his will. You can look at it this way. Uh, there's two ways you can give music to musicians. Uh, you can give them sort of a detailed uh, chart that has all the notes. And you can tell that person, you've got to play all those notes. Uh, you have no freedom. You have to play every single note on the page exactly the way it is. Some people think the universe is set up that way, that everything is absolutely determined, that God has everything figured out, it's always God's will, everything is God's will, His will is always done in every situation, and it's, it's like determinism, right? There's no choice, therefore your pray prayers don't make any difference, because everything's already determined. Doesn't matter what you pray about your marriage, it's already determined. It doesn't matter if you pray if that person's sick or not, it's already determined, God has laid it all out. That's not the way the Bible presents life. Definitely not the way it presents prayer. Uh, I think, along with many others, I think God has set it up more like this. This is another kind of chord chart. This one kind of gives you the chords. Uh, you have to play the chords. You can't get around it. If you want the song to actually make any sense, you have to play the chords. But 
once you play the chord, there's a lot of freedom. You can do a little improvisation between the chords as long as you're within that chord and then you get to the next chord. There's a lot of freedom in improvisation. I think God has set up the universe this way. There are certain things that are absolutely going to happen. It doesn't matter if you pray for it or against it. It's set. The chord is in place. But in the middle of that, there's a lot of freedom for us to obey God, disobey God, do his will, not do his will, pray for his will to happen, not pray for it. And this is the area that prayer works. That we can improvise, in a sense, through our prayers. That if you want to see God's will done in a situation, pray. Because if you don't pray, it may not be done. Because there are thousands of examples in the Bible where God's will is not done. There are many examples where someone has prayed, and all of a sudden, the story has changed. And God's will is, fine, it is actually done. One example simply is this, James 4, 2. You do not have because you do not ask. This does not say you're still going to get it if you don't ask. And this is what happens when you get fallen into this deterministic mindset where everything is God's will, uh, everything happens according to his plan, just everything is God's will because it's all determined. It's like, well, then why would you ever pray if it's all already figured out? No, this is not what it says. It says you don't have because you don't ask. In other words, your asking, your prayers can actually change the story. It makes a difference. Prayer makes a difference. It can change things. Um, this idea uh, uh, of God being powerful in control, and yet this freedom could also be looked at in the sense of kinds of checks. Uh, personal checks, like my check, I, I need one signature, and I can give it to someone and, and it goes through, right? There are certain things in this universe that God just signs off on, and it's going to happen. doesn't matter whether we pray or not or, or involved or not. It's going to happen. But there are a lot of things in this kingdom that are like a check from the church. For our church to write a check, it takes two signatures for it to go through. There's a lot of things that God is saying, I want this to happen. He signs his name, but he's waiting for someone through prayer to sign the other name. God, may your will be done. He's wanting his will to be done. Over and over and over in the Bible, you see God wanting to do something. He's calling people, wanting people to turn to him, to life, and they're not willing. They have not signed the other blank on the check. And this is where prayer comes in. We need to be praying. Prayer needs to be a priority because it really does change things. It really can change reality. It absolutely changes the story. To say that God's just going to do it anyways is not in line with the scriptures. So lots of examples of prayer changing the story. We're going to look at some. Uh, here's a story from uh, this is Hezekiah. Hezekiah, uh, the Assyrians are going to attack his city. The Assyrians have gone around. They have destroyed every other city, pretty much every other nation around. They finally arrive at Jerusalem. Hezekiah and his people have zero hope. I mean, this is like, you know, an elephant and a flea, a million to zero. I mean, there's just no way they can win. The story looks like it's set. The story is saying, you're dead. All your people are dead. Your city is, is in trouble. But then he does something. He goes and prays. And after his, his prayer, it says, that Then Isaiah, son of Amos, sent a message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Because you have prayed to me concerning Shennacherib, uh, king of Assyria, and he goes on to, and he, he brings victory to the city, but because you prayed. The story looked like it was set. 
they were not going to make it. Prayer, bang. Because you prayed, all of a sudden the story has changed. And this happens in our lives. That prayer can change your story. And I don't know what story you're going through right now in your life. But I, I bet all of us have stories in our life that we just don't like the trajectory. And, and, and you can't fall into this mistake of thinking, well, God's will is just going to work out anyway, so I don't really need to pray. But no, that's not what the Bible says. Prayer can change the story. Another example in, in, uh, from Hezekiah. It says, in those days, Hezekiah became ill, and it was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you are going to die and you will not recover. I mean, Hezekiah gets this word, which seems to be through the prophet from God, that his story is set. He is going to die. Put your house in order. Well, that looks like a story. I mean, God even said it. I guess that's God's will. I mean, I guess there's no change in that story. But wait a minute. Prayer does change the story. And uh, it says, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. And he says, remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah left the middle court, so Isaiah gave him this message, you're going to die, put your house in order. This is what God's plan is for your life. And then he's walking away and all of a sudden, Isaiah gets another message from God. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your uh, Father David says, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. And he says, I will add 15 years to your life. I mean, it looked like the story was set. There was even a word from God given to Hezekiah that that was it. But prayer changes the story. I mean, what if Hezekiah said, well, I guess that's God's will. I'm not praying about this because it's already said. I mean, it's done. I mean, he's like, no, he still went before God and said, God, and he just prayed and he, and he wept and it changed the story. I mean, prayer can change the story in your life too. All right, another example, uh, the prayer of Jabez was a famous thing about 10 years ago or so. Uh, it says, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Uh, what if Jabez didn't pray this? Well, maybe God would have done it, but we don't know. I mean, maybe God wouldn't have done it. You do not have because you do not ask. He, he might have lived his life without this kind of enlarged territory and, and with harm around him. And he could, because he didn't pray, but prayer changes the story. And we see that throughout the Bible. Uh, 2 Chronicles 33.13. It says, uh, and this is Manasseh. Manasseh again was captured. Uh, he was in prison. Uh, he was one of the worst kings, in fact, in the Bible. Sacrificed kids and said he filled the streets with blood in Jerusalem. And he's in this prison uh, waiting to die. And then it says this. And when he prayed to God... The Lord was moved by his entreaty and listened to his plea. So he brought him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew what the Lord, that the Lord is God. What if Manasseh didn't pray? There's no indication whatsoever that he would have ever been set free from prison. He would have died in prison. That was the story for him. 
you're the most evil king. God disciplined him. He's sitting in prison. <laughs> There's just no hope. And then he prays. He opens his heart to God. And all of a sudden, the story is changed. Prayer changes me. Yes, it changes me, but it also changes things. Prayer changes things. I mean, all over the Bible. I mean, again, again, you uh, see this. Here's another one, Matthew 8. Uh, a leper approached and bowed low before him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And in the, in the Gospels, uh, you see that Jesus is always willing to heal. I mean, I've, there's not one example in the Gospels where Jesus turns someone away and says, well, it's not my will to heal you, you know, go away. I mean, he always heals whoever comes from him. And so, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And, and he stretched out his hand and he touched him, saying, I am willing, be clean. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. Now, what if he didn't ask Jesus? I mean, what if we don't ask? I mean, again, this idea, well, doesn't, my prayers don't make a difference or, you know, God's plan is already set and I can't really do anything. Well, what if he says, well, I guess this is God's plan for me to have leprosy all of my life and, you know, God's will is always done. I don't need to pray about this. He would have never been healed. But he says, I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek God. And all of a sudden, his story is changed. Or just a little bit later, it says, when he came, uh, entered Capernaum, Jesus a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed in terrible anguish. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Again, what if this guy never asked Jesus? It seemed like his story would have gone on and his, his servant uh, would have continued in anguish and would have died and had all these problems. But he says, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask Jesus and the story is changed. Prayer changes the story. Prayer changes thing. I mean, don't get caught up in this thinking that, you know, my prayers don't really make a difference and God's already got his plan set out. I mean, there are certain things that God has set out, absolutely, but prayer does more, I think, than we realize. That God has set up this universe in such a way where, 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 where he has a, a, a lot of things that come to pass that are going to be dependent on our prayers because God loves us and he's a relational God. He doesn't want to work alone. And when you love someone, you're like, man, I want to hang out. Let's work together. Let's do something together. And this is what God's kingdom is like. He said, I don't want to do everything by myself. I, I have the church, the body of Christ, and, and a lot of things that are my will are going to be dependent on whether my, my people pray or, or don't pray. A couple more. St. Uh, Chronicles 7. And here you see an if-then. And you see a lot of this in the Bible when it comes to prayer. If and then. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. This is an if-then statement. If we don't pray, God's will to heal the land and do all these wonderful things is not going to happen. If we do pray, then these things will happen. This is, again, like the, the double signing check. God says, this is my will. I've signed the check for your life, for this church, for this community, for our ministry. He's just waiting. Now, it doesn't mean that, that one prayer is going to do it. I mean, sometimes in the Bible, you see people have to pray over hours, sometimes days, sometimes years. I mean, sometimes we don't always know why some prayers are answered right away and some take longer. I mean, we see sometimes, you know, that, that there, are, there are spiritual things going on, spiritual warfare or just other things that are taking place that we don't always know. But an if-then statement. And, and we have those in our life. I think God says, if you pray, how about this? Then 
you know, I am guilty of. If you don't pray, you flex them and your stories just keep on going the same way. There's a lot of but statements in the Bible, right? Da 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 da, the story, but someone prays and the story has changed. I mean, add a little but to your life, right? I mean, start praying. Or Colossians. Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer. Now, if prayer are a waste of time, uh, why would Paul say things like devote yourself to pray and pray continuously? And, and you see, Paul is always saying over and over again, I'm constantly in prayer for you. In fact, pretty much every letter he writes to churches in the Bible, he says somewhere, I'm constantly praying for you. If prayer only changed me and not things, I mean, all those verses would be ridiculous. Uh, if prayer didn't make a difference, I mean, Paul's starting to build the kingdom. He's trying to plant all these churches. Why would he be wasting a bunch of time in prayer if it didn't make a difference? He spent a lot of time in prayer because it works. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us. So Paul is asking for prayer. So obviously, prayer doesn't just change me. It can change things, else Paul really had his theology wrong, right? Paul is saying, pray for me. Why? That God may open a door for a message. Now, I'm pretty sure it's God's will that, that people would hear his message. But Paul says, you've got to pray about this. God has signed the check. I want the door to be open for people to hear my message. But Paul says, you've got to sign the other, other blank and pray for an open door for our message. I mean, maybe you have someone that you, you want them to in, meet Jesus, and, you're, and you just, you're so thrilled about the life he gives you, and you want them to know about it, and you, you talk to them, and you just like the, the door is always closed. I mean, have you been praying about it? I mean, Paul says we should be praying about that. So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And so even the way Paul speaks it is somewhat dependent on prayer. And so, I mean, really, even when I'm up here preaching a sermon, part of the sermon's on you guys, right? Now, I did my part. I mean, if you, you could actually make my sermons better by praying for me, you know? Uh, make it, if you're like utterly confused, you're like, I really got to pray for that guy, and maybe, <laughs> maybe you should, but it, it makes a difference, right? I mean, you, you, we can make this church a more powerful place where people experience God at greater ways, where the, the doors are open in bigger ways if we commit to pray. I know God is wanting to bless this place more than, than we see it, and he's wanting to use us more than, than we, he wants to have more power in my messages and our worship and whatever we do, and it's like, God's like, well, I want this to happen. You guys can pray. Uh, Ian Bounds, who's a big prayer guy, said this. God shapes the world by prayer. And, and, and I think this is what the Bible says when it comes to prayer. That God has sovereignly set up this universe where, where prayer does a lot. God's not wanting to work alone. He's saying, I want to work with you when it comes to your family, when it comes to your church, when it comes to your community, when it comes to your business, that I'm not going to do everything for you. I, I want you to get involved by serving and, and living with passion, but with your prayers. I mean, prayer can change your story. I mean, what story in your life do you want changed? I mean, probably we all come to church. There's things in this church we'd like to change. I got a long list. I mean, I'm sure you do too, right? I mean, there are things that just annoy us. And like, hey, we should be praying about those things. I mean, prayer can, can change things. I mean, imagine what would happen, I mean, in your life or in this church, and if we just said, we're, we're going to take this seriously. 
that, that every day that we take prayer seriously, that we're, we're talking to Jesus throughout the day and, and we're praying for this church and we're praying for our businesses and our schools and praying for, you know, Mount Sentinel and, and we're, just, we're just praying. It doesn't mean we always have to be getting together to prayer. That's a good thing too, but just even on our own, imagine what could happen. Man, I think God has some amazing plans for this church and for your life and for this community. And man, he's got the check signs. You say, hey, you ready? Get ready. Prayer changes the story. Uh, I mean, I, I would love to see it when we have people come up to prayer here, like more of you come up. Um, I mean, I'm going to start coming up, I guess, now. I think, hey, I mean, your story might be changed. I mean, I think there are times when you take a, just a bit of a bigger step, I'm going to step out in faith and maybe come up for prayer or, you know, ask someone like Dana did to, to, to pray for you. I think God really even honors that more when, when you just bring in the body of Christ. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? stay the same. What's the best? Maybe God will change the story because you see that throughout the Bible. And so uh, this, let this be a year where we just like up our prayers. Just add some more butts into your life. I mean, uh, because I prayed, the, the, the story changed. Uh, let's pray. Uh, God, we thank you that uh, you love us. And God, we thank you that you are a relational God and you want to know us and um, you want us to know you. God, I thank you that you uh, have chosen to work in us and through us and that you just don't do everything uh, for us, God, because um, uh, it's just not relational. And so, God, I pray you would help us to take our role uh, responsibly and, and with passion. Uh, God, that we would be people of prayer. Uh, God, that we would bring every situation to you. That, As Paul says, we would devote ourselves to prayer. Uh, that would be passionate about prayer, that God, when we wane in our prayers or think we're too busy, God, that you would just, yeah, just say, hey, prayer's a priority. Uh, so, Father, I pray that you would just do amazing things through our prayers this year. Uh, God, that you would radically transform us, God, that we would see more healings, God, that we would see more people meeting you, God, we would see this, this church grow, that we'd see our service to the community increase, God, that you'd help justice uh, to those who are oppressed, uh, God, just those things would be changed and turned around. And so, God, may your grace arise in us and through us. Help us, God, when it comes to faith. In Jesus' name, amen.